Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Thanks so much for letting us be here today. Judy and I are so happy to be here. And uh, we know a few of you in the audience, and we're happy to meet the rest of you. Um, we appreciate the opportunity to talk about fruit bearers. And uh, it's something that the Lord gave us as a special assignment. And uh, we're so happy that he did. Um, those of you who are new to fruit bearers, it's a ministry based on John 15, 8. And thank you. See why she came up here? <laughs> when you bear much fruit, you bring glory to my Father, and you prove that you are my disciples. And uh, the Lord gave me that verse. He just brought it out to me in bold letters at a time. And that's how fruit bearers got the name fruit bearers. And uh, prior to the COVID time, when we all had to stay home, I hear myself breathing into this thing. I'm gonna... My wife and I, Judy, we lived over in the Philippines uh, for a while working for a different organization and uh, that took care of deaf children. But we think that that was just the beginning for us so that the Lord would teach us about the culture and, the so, on, and so on in the Philippines. And uh, go to slide number three, if you would. There we go. That is a slide showing the entire Philippine islands. Can, can anybody guess how many islands there are in the, the Philippine archipelago? 7,100, very good, 7,107. 7, and uh, it says it right up there, I know. <laughs> you're, a, you're a sharp group, thank you. <laughs> See where that blue uh, arrow is down there, about three quarters of the way down? That points to the island of Negros. And that's where our ministry is, on the island of Negros. And so go to the next slide, please. That's a, a uh, close-up of the island of Negros. And uh, we work on the side of the island called Oriental, which just means east. And then there's the other side, Occidental, that means west. And you can see all those blue uh, stars that are there. That shows all of the places that we have uh, part of our ministry going. And so uh, we have a lot going on over there. And if you look down towards the bottom, there's kind of in big print something that says Dumaguete. That's the, that's the town, the city, you might say, where we live. And that's where our, our headquarters is. Now you go up to that very top uh, star, blue star up there. It actually takes four hours to drive from Dumaguete up to that star. And so it's a fairly big island. Uh, we are the fourth largest island in the Philippines. So it's got uh, several million people, and it's, it's a big island. Um, we, uh, after we were in the, in the Philippines for a few years, we actually came back to the States, and we were here for about seven years before the Lord sent us back 
to that island of Negros. And uh, the way we got there was one of the people that we had become acquainted with when we were there the first time uh, gave us a call and said, we know a girl over here who has a terrible situation. And there she is. Her name is Genesil. That's little Genesil. When she was four years old, she was burned terribly in a, a uh, fire at her home. A lot of the people, especially up in the, the hills and the mountains where we work, uh, do not have electricity and, uh, or running water. But uh, for light at home and so on, at night, they use kerosene lamps and, uh, or something like that. And sometimes those lamps get away from them. And that's what happened to little Genesil. And uh, their home burned, and Genesil got terribly burned. And uh, next slide. Uh, there's Judy taking a look at uh, Genesil after she had had her first surgery. When Joy told us about Genesil, that's the gal who wrote to us and told us about her, uh, she, had had, she hadn't had a chance to have even one surgery yet. And when you, you see the, the slide on the left, she was in such terrible shape, she wasn't actually going to survive that situation. Uh, the good, the good, uh, <laughs> the good uh, skin was growing, Quite but scar deep. tissue does not grow like the good skin does. And so her own body was actually pulling her apart. And at that time, she couldn't swallow. She couldn't blink her eyes, and uh, she was just in terrible shape. And so after the first surgery, she was then able to uh, do some of those things, and she got along much better. But still, she needed many more surgeries. And so uh, people from our church, where we are, were attending back in the state of Washington at the time, they gave and they helped us to help Genesil get her first surgery. And after that, when you see her there with uh, Judy, she was, she was then able to swallow and uh, blink her eyes. And when a, when a child can't blink their eyes, you know they will go blind. And so actually, in the first uh, slide there, she had to have her family members put uh, cold packs uh, wet packs on her eyes all through the day because she couldn't blink. Anyway, she's doing better now after the first surgery, and uh, that's when, gen when uh, fruit bearers got involved with her. Next slide. Here's Genesil after she was able to go to school. At first, she couldn't even go to school, of course, for several years, and so she had to stay home. But here she is, and uh, she's the older one, because uh, she was not able to go to school at first, so she had to catch up, and it took her quite a while uh, to catch up with the others. This is another gal that um, we got involved with early on in uh, our work with uh, fruit bears. Her name is Lizelle. Now, what happened there was the little girl in yellow there. We went over to the Philippines on uh, kind of a researching 
uh, journey, you might say, after the Lord told us that he thought that we should start an organization called Fruit Bearers. Now, that was an interesting thing. When the, when the Lord came to me and said, I think you should start uh, Fruit Bearers, I said, but Lord, um, we're not part of... An, uh, I'm sorry, we're part, huh? not part of any missionary group. We're not part of any missionary group. We don't have any money, and I'm 65 years old. Now, that was 11 years ago, folks, uh, so you can do the math on that. Uh, so we went over, and uh, we met little Lizelle there when we were doing our research, and we were up there on a day when uh, they were having a disabilities day up in the mountains. Well, Judy happened to have a magnifying, a glass. magnifying glass in her uh, purse. Now, what's happening there is with the teacher, the little girl, Lizelle, was trying to see some letters on uh, a poster but she couldn't read them because she had bad cataracts. And so Judy pulled out this magnifying glass. She handed it to the teacher. The teacher ran and got Lizelle and said, hey, look at this. Come and take a look. So Lizelle is looking through the magnifying glass, and she can see the letters for the first time. And so she's crying, and the teacher is crying. And uh, it's just an amazing thing. Over there, the, a school classroom might have 35 or 40 kids in it, at least, and they might have maybe four or five textbooks, and they all share those four or five textbooks. And so for a little girl like Lizelle to have any chance to have Braille or something like that, there's just no chance at all. And so for her to even have that magnifying glass was a wonderful opportunity. Next slide. Not yet. We won't go after mission statement. Okay. Well, we'll go a step further. Um, we came back from that trip, and uh, we still didn't have a real clear indication of what fruit bearers was supposed to do. And we, know, we knew that the Lord wanted us to start fruit bearers, but we didn't really know what the exact mission was to be. And so I came to Billings, back to Billings. We were living in the state of Washington at the time. I came back to Billings, and I told some friends and family about what I thought the Lord was saying. And uh, then on the way back to Seattle, um, I was driving along, and um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And uh, he said, Wes, what I want you to do, now this was not an audible voice, but it was in my spirit. And he said, what you are to do is to go into the hills and the mountains of Negros Oriental, find children with disabilities, and show them my love. Go into the hills, mountains, far-flung places of Negros Oriental, and show them my love. And it came through so clear in my spirit. And I had never really had the, the Lord speak to me like that before. But there was no doubt about it that day. And another thing he said that day was, Wes, you don't know how many children 
are up there in those mountains with disabilities, but I do. Now go find them and show them my love. Oops. Can you go back? Can you go back one? Tell her that Lizelle, that's what she's like today. <laughs> well, there's, there's Lizelle today. You can probably figure that out. <laughs> but uh, she was saved from going blind. Uh, when a child has cataracts, then uh, they can actually go blind. They, they can see a little bit, but then the, the optic nerve does not get, does not work and develop. And so uh, you have to get the cataracts off of the eyes, so then the optic nerve will work and, and uh, develop. So, Lizelle today uh, has perfect vision. When we go there now, she will see us maybe walking across the campus of their school, and she will come running up to us, and she will grab us and say, oh, thank you so much. And she knows what might have happened. Okay. Well... One other thing, um, today Fruit Bearers has eight employees. They're all over there working right now. Actually, they're sleeping right now, but um, <laughs> um, they're working hard, and it's because of the uh, help of folks like you that they can continue on working even though we are here. And uh, they are out, they are going into the hills and the mountains, they have developed churches over there, and they are working very hard uh, to continue on finding these children. And um, so we thank you, Sean, for the opportunity to be here, and uh, everyone who is supporting our work. And uh, although God shows his love in many different ways, uh, Judy is going to now show you a few of the different ways that uh, Fruit Bearers shows the children our love. Before I go on with that, though, I just want to say one thing. <clears throat> Genesil, the girl that was a burn, burn victim, you know, just think. She would probably be dead, but she isn't, and God gets the glory. She works in Sunday school, and she is part of our intern discipleship group. And those kids that are invited to join our intern discipleship group have to give a lot of time. But you know what? She wouldn't have that opportunity if it wasn't for the fact that she had a sponsor. And I won't say who it is because I don't want to embarrass them, but she, we took care of the surgeries, but it was really her sponsor that enabled Genesil to go back to school. Without her sponsor, she would not have. When you are that poor, you are working out in the fields. You are gathering firewood. You're taking care of your younger brothers and sisters. Genesil has a chance to grow spiritually because someone in this room has been sponsoring her for years. And what's really neat is when the sponsorship money comes in, we work with our people once a month, and whatever is not used for school will go for food for that family. 
And so the sponsor really has not only enabled Genesil to grow spiritually, but the whole family is much better off. And they all give glory to the Lord. Can I say just one other thing? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I've got a couple of weeks ago, I was on Facebook chat with Genesil. And uh, we were chatting, obviously. And she says, well, I've got to go, Sir West. That's a cultural thing. I've got to go, Sir West. Devotions are about to start at church. So say hi to Mom Judy. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, well, actually, there are so many ways that God has asked us to show his love. I can't even give you all the ways. And so we just made kind of a summary of the ones that keep reoccurring. And the first one is we, how we show God's love is we send kids to school. See that little girl? Does, she looks like she is uh, rich. She's got a backpack. She's got new clothes. She's got new shoes. She gets to go to school. She's not rich at all. She has a sponsor, and the sponsor allows her to go there. And she is so proud. Next slide. The next one, I want you to meet two kids. One's name is Catherine, and one is Joshua. Aren't they excited? Can you believe it? They are both deaf. And when you are deaf and you can't go to school because you're poor, you are in a prison, a prison of isolation. So these two little kids came to school eventually. Catherine had been there when she was almost came when she was almost 10. Her dad had finally found a job close enough to a special school called SPED, special education school, where she could learn how to communicate. And they learned to communicate with sign, but also they learned to write so they can talk to people that are hearing. You need to do that. How can you hold a job otherwise? And she is very excited. But I'll tell you, when she came to school, she came without breakfast and without lunch. And the teacher called us. They said, hey, you guys, I've got a little girl. She's coming without breakfast, without lunch, and she's almost 10, and she doesn't know anything. But she's very bright. So we found her a sponsor. See, another little boy, I love him. He's been in school, and this picture is two years old, simply because I haven't been over there to get new. We don't have kids in classrooms right now. <clears throat> but he had been in school for two weeks and he can't hardly contain himself. His family has moved, finally moved close enough. You know what? We have buses. They have to pay for transportation. Can you imagine sending a deaf child out on the road? They might get hit. They don't hear the cars coming. And it's a long ways. So it's a blessing. Okay, well, what about COVID? I just said these pictures are two years old. That's... That's because they shut down the country. Well, our kids live up in the mountains and the hills. Without education, you cannot break the cycle of poverty. So what were you going to do? Fortunately, our kids are sponsored. We took the money. We found the cheapest cell phones we could do, and we gave them to the kids. And you say, well, how can they do that? Most of them don't have electricity. Aha. But their neighbors do. <laughs> so they go down and plug in. <laughs> One little boy I know was going to charge everybody. He thought that would be a good way to earn money. <laughs> but anyway, they plug in. And this is what's interesting. Most of their parents haven't been to school. 
So how in the world can they teach them? Because this is what the teachers do. They say, okay, learn how to multiply uh, the sevens. Learn all the islands in the Philippines. Well, their parents don't know how to do that. And so the cell phone allows them to get on Google, and that becomes a teacher. Isn't that amazing? What else is really amazing is that the deaf, they just call up the teacher, and the teacher, they put it on FaceTime, and the teacher signs all the lessons to them. The problem is our deaf are blind kids. Those are the ones that have the problem. It's not the best thing, but it's what we're doing right now. <clears throat> okay, another way we show love is we, we've always had a feeding program. The very first feeding program we had started with a vacation Bible school. <laughs> we realized, we said, well, come to vacation Bible school, and they begged us and begged us, please can't we make this a church? Well, whoever has a church of 52 kids under the age of 12? <laughs> well, we did. <laughs> and they actually became our little board, and some of them were and so forth. They did the sweeping, the cleaning, but we also found out they weren't eating. So it became a feeding program after it became a church. And they would say, well, we're not coming for just the food. They're carrying their spoon and their plate down the hill. It was really cute. We had another feeding program, and those were the children of wives of fishermen and farmers. And let me tell you, that is a rough life. What about pandemic, though? Here are people that are up in the mountains. They bring their food down to the market. Market's done. They don't have anything to sell. They can't sell. How do you get anywhere? You don't have any money pesos for your, your bike, and it's too far to walk. What do you do? Well, we checked on our people. And over there, it is much stricter. Believe me, if Wes and I were there, we'd be locked in our house. Anybody 65 and older can't go outside. And a lot of these kids are being raised by their grandparents. If you're 15 and younger, you're in the house. You can't go out. So they have the modulars, the teachers put a lesson, and somebody comes down and gets it. Okay, and that's the only thing they're allowed. But we have a really good relationship because I believe the Holy Spirit. Once a week, our staff gets together, and we pray, and we say, this is our plan, but what is your plan, God? And then we follow God's plan. And he said, go to the mayors, go to the barangay captains, and get permission Oh, wouldn't that be neat? We just deliver the rice, all the people come? No. Here's what our staff is doing. They are driving. Do you remember the picture where we had all those blue stars? We're driving from one end of the island to the other. We have eight staff. Two of them have one narrow area. The other six are dividing up the rest of the island, and they go door to door. Okay, there's Jade. Click the next picture, and there's a house they're carrying the food to. Click the next one and look and see how many people do you see inside there. They look strong. There's no reason they can't go out, except they can't. Now, you notice there's even babies here. So one, two of our couples, they go out two by two, because that's kind of scriptural, right? They decided that they better go and bring milk, dried milk. 
and of course, protein, so they bring them sardines. Do you want to come for dinner? <laughs> okay, I'm going to show you a picture. This is Roland and his dad. How would you like to make a living in that? I, did, I went out in one of those, and it's scary. Uh, they have outriggers on it, so it doesn't tip over, but I just knew for sure a shark would get us. <laughs> and that's, that's how he made his living. And Roland was going to be his father's helper. A neighbor boy shot him, and Roland became blind. And somebody got hold of us, and they said, we have this kid. He's dropped out of school. He's depressed. He's blind. And we said, okay. We'll send our social worker and our pastors. Everywhere our social workers go, our pastors go. Because when you show them God's love, you open the door wide open to their heart. So they got him back into school, and guess what? He discovered he was smart anyway. And so then we, we had a sponsor for him, and he went on to college, and he became a masseur. I think that's a masseuse for a boy, masseur. And not only was he good at it, but he got better at it. And he uh, ended up uh, getting more training. And he ended up getting a job and saying, I don't need you anymore. I'm independent, and I'm working at the mall. Guess what? The pandemic came. Now, I want you to go back, and do you see his family? I don't see. Do you have his family in the picture? Let me see. Click another one. Oh, okay. That's him. His father died, and all of a sudden, the money's cut off because you can't go into the mall. And so our, our staff got together, and they were praying. Remember I told you they pray on Mondays? And, and uh, Wes was praying, and Wes said, how about Roland? And they found him, and here's Roland. He said, I've become the father, and he's raising and sending his sister to school. He's sending his brothers to school, and he's taking care of his mother, and he had no work. And so now we are also delivering to his house. And when the pandemic gets over, he will begin taking care of his family. <clears throat> How else do we show God's love? We are a medical lifeline. Look at that little girl. And she's holding a gift from her sponsor. She's so excited. But if you'll notice, she doesn't have any knees. Her legs quit. And I don't know if you can see the hands, but the hands aren't quite right either. And so her name, how fitting, is Princess. Doesn't matter. She's a princess in the Lord's eyes. And the sponsor got her some shoes, these little leather shoes, and she could walk with her mom. And today, uh, how many have ever heard of Tim Tebow? Well, he grew up in the Philippines. And he started, Tim, and he gave the most money to uh, a care hospital. So it's called uh, Tebow Care Hospital. And they uh, love children. So they, we took her over. And really, our, our responsibility is to arrange it. We pay for the airline ticket. We pay for the housing for the parents. We pay for all the food. But other than that, the Tebow Hospital takes care of it. Look at her. Now, it's going to be hard for her because that's a hard adjustment. But I want to show you something. Can you make it move? This is her before. You can see she's an enthusiastic gal, and I know. Can you make it? Oh, 
One more. Can you turn it up? Look at her. So I think she's going to do okay with her prosthesis. <laughs> she is enthusiasm complete. How else do we show God's love? Medical lifelines. This continued. And this is a little boy, and he's one of six children. And see the cleft lip? Well, he probably has a cleft hole, too, in his mouth. But anyway, he makes sounds, but you can't understand a thing he says. And look at his parents. Click the next one. They look worn out, don't they? They both work in the sugarcane fields. That means up at, in the field at 6, out of the field by 6 p.m., and they're trying to raise their kids on that. It's about a dollar a day is what they live on. So they went to a local hospital and said, hey, oh, what would it cost to get his lip fixed? And they told him uh, 80,000 pesos, $1,600 impossible when you make a dollar a day. And so he's on our waiting list. As soon as the pandemic gets done, he'll be going over to the Tim Tebow Hospital. There are 13 kids waiting that we have lined up. Click the next one. I'll show you the next one. This is Jay Poy. And uh, see how his feet are? So he, they lived in the middle of a rice field, and his mother carried him on her back until they could get to the road and then ride a tricycle to school. I mean, that was a huge sacrifice for that family. He's waiting. Click on the next one. You know, when the Lord goes before you, he goes behind you. We didn't know about this little girl. Would you believe an official came to us and said, go to this house? This is during pandemic. And look at this little girl. And she was born with only one leg. So we have 13 kids waiting. That is something, if you want to pray, that's something to pray about. We were supposed to go in July. Then they told us October 15th. But now, because of pandemic, supposedly the Delta virus, it's being pushed back. This is a matter for prayer. How else do we show God's love? Oftentimes, we do shelters. We do a Habitat for Humanity-type home. This is Warren and his little brother. Warren's mother works all the time. She leaves before light, and she comes home after dark. And so Warren is in charge of his little brother. The dad's in jail. And um, this is their house, that little tiny piece. Not the big piece next to it, just that one with the orange around it. The little boy... Warren and his mom lived there. Well, we thought uh, he was part of the children, of 52 children, and he was on our feeding program. We also realized that they weren't eating during the week, so he, we had a sponsor for him, and we also gave him lunch once a week, a, a packet, and then he could eat every day. And, of course, it included his little brother. But his father although is now out of jail, deserted the family. And so Warren is big enough, and we decided, why don't we do, during pandemic, we'll let Warren, he's been the head of this household for years. And so he, he said, oh my goodness, I've been praying for this for years and years. And when it would rain, we would have to sit in one corner, all three of us, and sleep sitting up. But I didn't know the Lord was going to give us a castle. 
He thinks that's a castle. So, okay, how else do we show love? And this is one we do every year, although this year it got canceled again by the government. But we've been doing it every single year, and we will continue to do it whenever we possibly can, and that is Vacation Bible School. Because that's when we meet the neighbors. Okay, that's when we meet the neighbors. This boy was shot. Uh, he had to go to work because his family was poor. And when he went out to get lunch, he was shot. And they turned him over and they said, oh, sorry, wrong boy. And, uh, but that's okay. He said he was going the wrong direction. And this saved his life. And so he's giving back. And we'll go ahead and play that. He borrowed a neighbor's house. And this is his vacation Bible school. Okay, how else do we show God? We tell them that Jesus is the reason for everything we do. And why do I have an old man's picture up here? Because when you tell them that Jesus is the reason, it's not just the kids that hear it. Their parents hear it. This grandpa heard it, and he accepted the Lord. He was going to get baptized once, but he said, Oh, I've been naughty to my wife. I can't be baptized yet. <laughs> okay, next slide. We have planted eight churches, and we are support. We have a church that we support, and from that church, we have three neighborhood extensions. We also had two groups of kids that were our in our discipleship interns, and you'd think that it would have disappeared because of pandemic. We don't have thirty of them anymore, but we still have fourteen. Another thing we have is we have monthly Bible studies, four times a month, and we have weekly Bible studies, and they're continuing in spite of pandemic. This church was supposed to be for just the deaf, and we thought we'd get 35 kids. It's at our house. We're the only one that has a big Nipah hut. We don't have it anymore. It's now our church. And here's what's kind of exciting. This is one of the kids that's sponsored, and she is very excited about church. She came, and this is what happened. Go ahead and let it run. She jumped up when we were giving a list, and we were trying to give them the bridge program. She's telling them, by the way, 85 people showed up, not 35, and half of them were hearing, and that church is a combination. They have now taken over our entire house. When we go back, Wes and I don't know where we're going to stay. Okay, this is a summary, but we don't have time for it, so I'm going to skip it. And um, one of the things that we uh, do is sponsorship. We've been talking about it. And on a table in the back, uh, there are kids that you can sponsor. We have four right there right now, but we can have more. And basically, $35 a month helps a needy child. It keeps a child in school. It feeds the family, and it opens the door to share the Lord. 
And by the way, the money goes directly to the family. And here's a girl. This is Kyla. There's her profile. And I just want to show you, she came to us in 2000, uh, when she was eight. When she was 10, she was still waiting for heart surgery. She's also deaf. When she was 12, she had surgery. And there she is learning she's going to have a life. That girl would be dead. Thank you so much. Before I go, I'm just going to put a thing up here of how you can help. And the most important thing being prayer support. And I'm going to put down how you can reach us if you want to. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.